This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we'll have a couple of those little business tips that help us with our uh, business and help us to grow our business. We're going to be looking at three rules for networking at work. We're also talking with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre about that interesting new subject, cloud computing. But right now we're going to have a chat with Rebecca McKenzie from Baker Love Lawyers about employment law. Good afternoon, Rebecca. Good afternoon, Julian. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, we'll, we'll, we look forward to it. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, law is always a, a challenge for a lot of people, especially that Fair Work Act. Uh, I think there's still a lot of businesses out there that really don't uh, understand the Act, even though there's been some changes. So, uh, so what is the Fair Work Act and, and what are some of the changes that have happened? Uh, yes, Julian. Well, the Fair Work Act provides what is now the national framework for regulating the employment relationship across Australia um, as it relates to both employers and employees. Um, now, there are many new key parts of the new workplace laws which listeners really should be aware of, um, including a revamp of the unfair dismissal rules. Now, this is just one area that is quite extensively regulated by the Fair Work Act. Um, another thing that the Fair Work Act did was introduce what's called a safety net of guaranteed minimum entitlements for employees. Now, they're called the National Employment Standards, or NES. Um, Now, every employer and employee should be aware of this standard. Um, I won't have time to go into them all, Julian, Mm. but some of the NES, and there are 10 of them, include minimum entitlements to things like annual leave and personal and carers leave and also flexible work arrangements for parents. Um, It's also important to keep in mind, Julian, that there are penalties that can be enforced against employers who breach these standards. So it's very important that businesses are fully aware of their obligations and that employees are aware of their rights and entitlements under the NES. Of course, one of those is, is for them to actually hand new employees that list of 10 you've just mentioned, isn't it? That's right, Julian, mm. it is, yes. So, so uh, has there been some changes to the unfair dismissal laws as well? Yes, there has, Julian. Um, What the Fair Work Act does, it provides a framework for both employers and employees for the new unfair dismissal regime. And there are specific rules relating to things such as um, eligibility to access the system, what is meant by a dismissal being harsh or unjust or unreasonable, and what amounts to a genuine redundancy. There are also time limits that apply, Julian, when a worker is dismissed. So it's it's quite important that um, if if an employer or an employee finds themselves in a situation of either terminating someone's employment or being on the receiving end of a termination, I would suggest that they get some immediate legal advice as to the options for them for the way forward. So, so what does the Fair Work Australia take into account when assessing whether someone has been unfairly terminated? Yes, there are many factors, Julian, that the Fair Work Act takes into account, um, but in, deter- in determining what is harsh or unjust or unreasonable. Um, the, as I said, there are, there's a list of factors that Fair Work must consider, so they're obliged to consider various things, including whether there was a valid reason for the dismissal related to the person's capacity or conduct. Um, having said that, some recent case law that has come from Fair Work Australia, and there's a lot that is coming from that jurisdiction, um, highlights that a person's personal circumstances, for example, their economic 
economic situation can be taken into account in determining whether an action taken by an employer was harsh or unjust or unreasonable. So while there might be a valid reason for terminating that particular employee, their family situation and their their financial situation can be taken into account to determine whether it was actually an unfair dismissal. Um, There's also a different regime in relation to small business, which is an enterprise with less than 15 employees. So that may be relevant for some listeners. Um, People need to be aware that there's what's called a a small business fair dismissal code, and that sets out certain steps which should be followed um, if people find themselves in a situation of being in a small business. So so what has happened with awards? And, And I've heard of this term, modern awards. Yes. What's happened is the modern awards establish a single set of minimum conditions for employers and employees across Australia who work in the same industries and occupations. So the award modernisation process, as it was called, um, saw approximately 4,000 or so existing state and federal awards consolidated into what's now called these modern awards. So these awards are tailored to meet the specific needs of certain enterprises. Um, If your listeners are interested, they can find a full list of the modern awards at the Fair Work Australia website. Um, And it's important to make sure that legal advice is obtained with respect to how modern awards may interact with other workplace agreements, um, such as enterprise bargaining agreements or individual contracts. So this list on the Fair Work Australia website, does that include the dollars that are paid and all the conditions? Is that all written there? Yes, it is. There's an alphabetical list of all of the awards, all of the modern awards. So what people can do is have a look at that list, see which award best fits their particular industry, and then the minimum pay conditions are set out within those awards. But, but as you say, sometimes it's important to achieve to to obtain legal advice because with over four thousand awards, it's sometimes difficult to trawl through those, isn't it? Well, they're now, there's not 4,000 awards now. They've been consolidated oh, okay. into a more manageable amount of awards. Um, however, it's still important to see how these modern awards interact with other documents that employers may have in place with employees. Mm. Um, so, for example, individual contracts with those employees. So uh, what people need to understand is that, and as you would know, Julian, that um, employees are the lifeblood of all businesses. Mm. Um, so in addition to any applicable modern award um, and there's not 4,000, there's a lot less than that now because they have been consolidated Um, but what may be applicable is an appropriately drafted um, written employment contract because even though employers may be guided by what's in an applicable modernised award, there are many other aspects of the employment relationship that can and really should be regulated by an appropriately drafted contract Mm. Um, and that's because, Julian, Awards only typically govern minimum terms and conditions of employment. Um, So employers can go further than this to protect their business. Um, So it it may be the case that some advice from from their lawyers required with respect to other areas that should be regulated in the employment relationship. For example, confidentiality provisions and restraints of trade and intellectual property issues as well and if I can just mention we do have some free information on our website that covers those areas if anyone's interested. Okay so so in closing can you provide a bit of a checklist in relation to compliance with the Fair Work Act? 
Yeah, I sure can, Julian. Firstly, people need to check compliance with um, the relevant employment contract that may be in place, um, their modern award and any agreements such as an enterprise agreement that may be in place. Um, they also need to ensure that they're adhering to any what's called phasing in provisions in relation to a modern award with respect to pay and other entitlements and conditions and that sort of thing. They also should check that they're complying with um, those national employment standards, the NES that I mentioned at the beginning in relation to what is now the minimum conditions for every employee. Um, and people should also check that they have appropriate policies and procedures in place for hiring and the termination of staff and any relevant workplace policies such as uniform policies and, and things in relation to behaviour which can be quite important in the employment context. Um, they also need to ensure that the minimum superannuation contributions are paid on time and if there are any small business employers out there then it's very important to follow that code that I mentioned in relation to any dismissals um, and as you mentioned Julian at the start with the NES um, every new employee is entitled to be provided with what's called the Fair Work Information Statement, and that has all of the national employment standards and other things listed on there. Good, and, and I believe that you've got a seminar coming up in November which will provide a free seminar which will provide people with more information on, on this and, of course, able to ask questions. Yes, we do, Julian. It's on um, Wednesday, the 2nd of November at 6.30pm um, at our office in Walls End. And if anyone's interested in coming along and getting some more information about employment law, I'll be presenting at that seminar and people can just go to our, our website to register. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for your time this afternoon, Rebecca. And we'll chat with you again another time. Thanks so much, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Rebecca McKenzie there from Baker Love uh, Lawyers helping us a little bit with the employment law and that Fair Work Act is still a minefield for many em uh, employers out there. You're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. We've just gone beyond the sea. We're going into the clouds now with Brett Gleeson at the Business Growth Centre and Cloud Computing. Good afternoon, Brett. Hi, Julian. Thank you for joining, although you're on the farm today, I believe. Pleasure. Working from home today, yep. <laughs> bit different. Nice sunny day. It is. Beautiful. Glorious. Okay, so cloud computing is obviously a buzzword that's around at the moment, and a lot of people are going, well, what is, what's this cloud computing? Well, it is very new, uh, and a lot of people are struggling with the concept and uh, getting their head around it, but basically there are, I guess, three, three parts or three concepts. The first is that it's internet-based computing, so it's computing applications that are based, as I say, in the clouds or on the satellites, which are beyond the clouds. The second part of it is that there are different types of clouds. So there's a public cloud, there's a private cloud, and then there's a hybrid of the, of the two, a combination of both. And the third part of uh, the, the concept is it's um, how the service will be used. And I see it a little bit like a three-tiered cake. Um, a part of it is the, the infrastructure, uh, providing infrastructure as a, as a service. Uh, and this is more for um, upper-level IT-based businesses, the developers and the people who sort of develop IT-based uh, products. The second part of the tier is a platform that they can use then to launch those products off, and that could be things like database accesses and billing services and that. And the third, the third tier is is a software as a service. So the people who've developed it then can on sell or sell that software 
which businesses then can um, can buy. They can install it, uh, and they can use it in their businesses and uh, uh, you know, help them to run their businesses uh, you know, at a much higher level, I guess, in terms of efficiency and uh, productivity. So I want to know: Does the business get the icing, or the or the developers? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Good question. Good question. They're probably be the developers, I would think, to some extent, but uh, they are the, sort of the first line of uh, of deliverer, in a sense. So, yeah, it may well go with the developer. So, so how can I, as a business, uh, be, use this uh, cloud computing? Well, again, there are two types of businesses that are involved. One, as we talk about the developer, uh, the people who, who you know, I guess, take the, the biggest risk and actually develop the, the products from the technology, uh, and uh, they, uh, they'll provide you know, off-site um, um, storage and remote access. And then the third, the, the second type of, uh, of business is, is the, the one who actually is the user then, the one who actually... Um, uh, you know, might say buy off them, uh, and the benefit for them, of course, is that they haven't got to invest uh, a huge amount of um, uh, capital infrastructure funding. Uh, they um, there's some uh, benefit in terms of risk in the, the, the off-site storage. It's in the clouds. It's virtual. Uh, the buildings aren't getting burnt down, and the, and the database uh, go with it. It's accessible from anywhere on the planet, basically, as long as you've got uh, you know, internet access. It's portable because we, you know, these days with iPhones and smartphones and computing, uh, computers getting smaller and smaller, that portability is, uh, is there as well. You could have a sales force right around Australia or right around the world who can all get access uh, to it at any one point in time. Mm. Another great benefit is it's, it's actually scalable technology, so you can actually start out quite small, dip your toe in the, in the, in, into it, and, and then you know, grow it as you, as you want to grow your business or as you think it, you know, it's stable. Uh, it's quite elastic in the sense that um, you can build on uh, a very small uh, base of, of uh, technology and keep going. Uh, and it's, I guess it allows you to invest um, over a period of time um, as your business can afford to invest in it. So um, you're not, not looking at big big outlays. And, uh, and as I said, yeah, the risk management uh, benefits are, are obvious in the sense that um, mm. you can protect your, your data and, uh, and your storage, uh, you know, um, quite well. Well, you, you, I mean, you've, you've mentioned all those benefits and you've just brief, briefly touched on risk management, but mm. uh, I think one of the biggest concerns that people would have is uh, all of my data's out there floating in the clouds. Yeah, it is, and and I guess the the if people are like me, I'm always a bit cautious about new new technology uh, and wanting to see that it is going to deliver what it's what it's going to deliver, which is what you want, uh, but also that, that it is stable and that it's not um, going to fall over and you relying on it, and you know, that's one of the concerns. You know, that newness can sometimes you know um, you can jump in you know, boots and all, but uh, you can come unstuck. You're quite right about the security and the same steps that you would take about securing your data on your server in your back office are the same sort of principles that you would use for assessing this as an option for your business. Uh, and let's face it, it's not going to be for every business. Um, and you know, over time, more and more will come on board and, and, uh, and, and see it as being beneficial. Mm. But the same risk management strategy you would put in place for normal data security, uh, access, privacy to records, all those sort of things uh, still apply in this case and you'd want to uh, be assured uh, and do your due diligence um, as a business operator that the person, uh, business that's supplying the service to you uh, are going to you know, uh, be you know, um, genuine about, the, you know, about protecting all those interests that you mm. have as a business. 
Great. Well, thanks for your time again, Brett. You can get back to your uh, your chickens and your goats. I oh, know. I'm still. I'm, I'm actually working. I'm not on holidays, Julian. So I'm actually, oh, okay. Uh, writing uh, writing reports. So. so, well, next week we're going to keep our head in the clouds anyway because we're going to look at uh, the vision of our business. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good uh, good topic. Yep. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Great. Bye. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Brett Gleeson there from the Business Growth Centre talking a little bit about cloud computing and time to have a a look at a couple of our business tips and again taken from the Harvard Business Review. First one, three rules for networking at work. We often think of networking as connecting with people outside our organisation but networking with internal colleagues is just as crucial and here are three rules of thumb for growing your network inside the office. First of all, build outward not inward. Don't waste time deepening connections with people you already know. Get in touch with people in other teams or business units. Go for diversity, not size. Rather than aiming for a massive network, build an efficient one. This requires knowing people who are different from you and from one another. And thirdly, go beyond familiar faces. Identify the hubs in your company, people who work on a variety of teams and projects, and ask them to connect you to others taken from a little book six rules for networking at work by morton hansen what about this one know your unwritten plan when preparing for the future you need two plans one you write down and one that's unwritten fluid and evolving this blueprint exists in your mind as a living changing understanding of where you are going why you are going there and how you are going to get there all based on your current understanding of how the future will unfold while your written plan includes specific objects, objectives, uh, action steps and clear assumptions, the unwritten one consists of gut feel, general direction and a broad priorities. Over time, as you gather information and test ideas, you'll move many of these elements from the hazy and unspoken to the focused and written. Taken from a book, Your Crucial and Unwritten Plan by Linda Hill and Kent Lineback. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at the uh, Employment Law or the Fair Work Act again with uh, Rebecca McKenzie from Baker Love Lawyers and also What's Cloud Computing with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre. Next week, we're going to have a look at social media with Belinda Bow from Green Chill Marketing. We'll chat with Brett Gleeson again from the Business Growth Centre about a vision for your business and, of course, have some of those little ideas that will motivate you and improve your business. I'd love your company again next week at the same time for Business, The Law and You. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week. And as Mark Twain once said, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect.